Welcome to GlendaleCC.org or to our new podcast, Glendale Christian KY, located on iTunes. And thank you for joining us this week for the beginning of our new sermon series entitled How To. Throughout this sermon series, we'll be talking about how the Bible gives us practical answers to some of life's most complex questions. This week's message is focused on how to deal with stress and is taught by Senior Minister Jeff Gaines. Good morning. Woo! You're awake now. Um, it's better when you're here. Thank you for coming. Isn't that right? Yeah, it's better when you're here. I'm glad to see all of you. And I want you to know, if, if you come here every Sunday, we love you. We value you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here consistently. It means a lot to us. And, and I'm sure you're blessed by it, because I'm always blessed when I come. And then if, if this is your first time here, or maybe one of your first times here, we love you and we value you. Can we just, as a church, as a family, can we welcome our guests just by giving them a round of applause? Can we do that? We love seeing you here. Thank you. Today I'm starting a new sermon series. It's entitled How To. How To. And uh, in this sermon series over the next few weeks, I'm just going to answer questions that I get asked often. I thought it would be good for us as a family to get together and just go over some of these issues. Uh, because chances are all of us think about these or struggling about uh, these things. Now, generally we have two services. We have one at 845 and one at 1045, but today we're just having one, which means I only get to preach one time, which means I'm going to preach twice as long, okay? So just, just brace yourself, okay? Uh, so uh, today we're going we're gonna to talk about this uh, issue. How do I handle stress? How do I handle stress? I think this is a big problem in America. There's a huge survey that went out recently, and, and uh, the report came back that 44% of Americans are more stressed, they feel more stressed today than they did five years ago. One in five Americans experience extreme stress symptoms, which is shaking, heart palpitations, or depression. One in five Americans. And then over 50% of Americans claim that often they, they, lie, they lie awake at night because of all the stress in their life. They're losing sleep over it. Which is weird because, you know, you ask somebody how they're doing, and what does everybody say? I'm fine. Everything's fine. And, and, and this is what you got to be thinking. Well, this, you can't be fine because I just asked them how they're doing. They said they're fine. So statistically speaking, one of you is lying, right? One of you is not telling the truth. Somebody's rolling around in the bed at night because you're stressed. And if you're not doing that tonight, within the next five years, you will be. That's what the studies show. And we're not coping with it well. We're not at all coping with it well. That's why the other day I was driving, some guy pulled out behind me, pulled out from behind me and just laying on his horn. He's got his hand out the window. He's gesturing at me with one finger. I'm not sure what that means. People are on edge. That's why we've got, we see now more than ever before, people struggling. They're having heart attacks more than ever before, strokes more than ever before. We've got a huge stress problem and nobody seems to know how to fix it. Maybe that's you today. You've, you've come here to church, and, and you've got all sorts of stress and anxiety. You're overwhelmed in your life, and it seems like all the stuff that you're doing, it might work for a day, might work for two days, might work for a week, but it seems like all this stuff, all this stress, it creeps back into your life somehow, some way, and, and you're kind of at the end of your rope. Maybe that's you today, and if that's you, I've got great news for you. There is an answer. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus said this, Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life. And you hear that and you're like, okay, Jeff, that's great. That's just what I need, another commandment. 
another thing to do, another obligation. But listen to me, as we unpack Matthew 6, this is what you're going to learn. Jesus isn't giving us a commandment. This isn't a commandment. This is Jesus giving us permission. He's not giving us a commandment. He's giving us permission. And this is what he's saying to you this morning. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to be stressed out all the time. You don't have to be overwhelmed all the time. You don't have to carry these heavy burdens. There's a better way. So this is what we're going to do. Matthew 6 is such a powerful chapter. We're going to unpack many of Jesus' words in Matthew 6 and kind of give you a framework in how to deal with your stress. But before we get there, I think we've got to figure out where is all this stress coming from? Where's it coming from? Studies show that the two leading causes of stress in America are work-related and finance-related. So maybe the answer to all of our stress problems is that we quit our jobs and we live homeless. Anybody want to try that? I mean, we can cut the short sermon short. Everybody just go home. Anybody? For a week, we'll try. We come back next week. Nobody. No. Okay, so maybe that's not the problem. Maybe there's something underneath that. Something underneath the work, something underneath the money that's driving this stress. The more I thought about it, the more I'm, I connected these dots. I think that we as Americans, really, in our, our world today in general, we've been conditioned to believe that more is better. More is always better. We've been conditioned to believe that. So if I have a dollar, that's good, but two dollars is what? It's better, right? That makes sense. A donut is good. Donuts are good. One donut is good. Two donuts is, yeah, one car is, that's good. They get the job done. But two cars is, one kid is good, but two kids are, a lot of hesitation there. <laughs> hesitation. One wife is good. Two wives is, that's, that's crazy is what that is. I had a professor uh, we were in class one day, and uh, one of the students asked, they said, why does Solomon have so many wives? Because King Solomon in the Bible, he had like 700 wives. And the professor, without missing a beat, he said this. He said, it increased the likelihood of him coming home to a wife in a good mood. He said it. He said it. So here, here's the moral of the story. More isn't always better, is it? More isn't always better. And Jesus, he, he seems to suggest that sometimes less is more. Look at this verse. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. More and more and more and more. Just storing and storing and storing and storing. Because that's going to lead to some destruction in your life. It's going to lead to, to, to you, you being, some stuff being taken away from you more than you getting stuff. So sometimes... Um, less is more, Jesus says. The more we have, the more we have to stress about. Isn't that right? The great theologian, maybe you've heard about this guy, Notorious B.I.G., he said, more money, more problems. He said that. The more you have, the more you have to stress about. That's true. The more possessions you have, the more insurance you need. The more locks you put on your doors, and the less sleep you're getting at night, because you're like, honey, did you lock the doors? I can't remember. Did I lock the doors? Okay, I'll get up. Less sleep you're getting. The more activities you have, the more that you have to schedule, the more travel time and expenses. And it seems like the less that you enjoy any of this stuff. Isn't that the case? Sometimes more isn't better. Sometimes less is better. Maybe that's why Jesus asked this question in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? It is all this stuff that's causing you stress, 
is it benefiting your life? Is it adding anything to your life? Is the bigger house worth all the extra office hours? Is it? Is more always better? The Bible seems to suggest no. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6, it says this. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. The Bible says better is one handful with peace than two handfuls with stress. Better is one handful with peace than two handfuls with stress. You see, sometimes we get this idea that more is always better. We've been conditioned to believe that. But what happens is we start grabbing for more and more and more until we've got both hands full. And then something comes up. Something comes up in our schedule. And we're like, okay, well, everything, every hour is already accounted for. And both of my hands are full. I've got two handfuls of calendar on me. So what happens? There's stress. We grab more and more and more things, and we've got two handfuls worth of expenses. Then what happens when something comes up? What happens when the tires blow on your car? What happens when the heater goes out? There's stress. There's no margin in our life. So we end up stressed out. So here's the sermon in a a nutshell. Just a real condensed version. If you enjoy being stressed, if you enjoy this kind of lifestyle, always on the go, always overwhelmed, this is what you can do. You grab hold of life with two hands, and you hold on as tight as you possibly can, and I will come and visit you in the hospital. Okay? That's what you want to do. But if you're stressed today, and you don't like being stressed, this is what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to let go of some things. Because right now, you're going at life with two hands, and that's unsustainable. We're going to have to learn to let go of some things for the rest of our time today. We're going to look at Jesus' words, and he's encouraging us to do two things, I believe. Know what is and isn't important, and then know how to let it go. If we do these two things, the stress level in our life will decrease. So how do we do it? Number one, this is what I would encourage all of you to do, and this is going to be very practical. You're going to be able to take this home and apply it to your life. It's made a huge difference for me. Number one, rank your priorities. Rank your priorities. Jesus said this, Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Jesus makes an obvious observation here. He says there are certain things in life that are more important than other things. Some things are more important than other things. Now, you know this, and you can do this. I'll show you a real quick exercise. Just in your mind right now, Think about what are the most important things you have on your possession, on your person right now. Just think about it real quick. Make a list of the most important things you are carrying with you. We can do this. I'll help you. Maybe a wallet or a purse or a checkbook. Uh, Maybe a watch or some sort of jewelry. Your cell phone, your car keys. I mean, we can make a list, right? And that's easy. Now, here's the hard part. Rank those things in order of importance. Which one of those things is most important? Which one is least important? And you say, well, why would I ever need to know that? Why would I ever have to do that exercise? Well, what if you needed to pawn something? Right? You need to know which one of those things you can let go of and which one of those things you have to hold on to. It's important. It's important. 
But we have a hard time with that. That doesn't come naturally to us. Because what we tend to do is just group everything into the important category. So it's all important. And everything's equally important. And so you end up and you're just overwhelmed. You're going in all sorts of different directions. And you're overwhelmed trying to maintain everything because you've ranked everything as equally important. That's why Proverbs chapter 17 verse 24 says this. An intelligent person aims, aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. See, if, if you're just going to group everything in your life as important, that's foolish, the Bible says. You've got to rank your priorities. When we rank a thing in our life in comparison to the other things in our life, it gives us the true value of that thing in our life. So if you rank out your life and you say, well, my fantasy football team is ranked 10,001. How many of you play fantasy football? You're going to relate to this. There's four of you. It's a good illustration. You're going to be able to say, if, if fantasy football is ranked 10,001 on my rank of priorities in my life, then I probably shouldn't stress about it. If, if the ding on my door, if it's ranked 1 million and 1 in my life, then I probably shouldn't be so bent out of shape over it. So I would encourage you today, because this is really going to help you stress, I would encourage you to sit down with a piece of paper and a pen, and you just rank out the things in your life. Go as far as you want. If you want to count to 10,000, you count to 10,000. It's going to help you. Now, just to kind of give you an idea of what this looks like, I, I'm going to give you my personal rankings, my top four. Okay? Don't copy my list or it's going to be weird. Okay? Number one is Jesus. Number one is Jesus. Jesus is the most important thing in my life. I'm a Christian first and foremost. I'm not a husband who happens to be a Christian. I'm a Christian who's a husband. I'm not a dad who happens to be a Christian. I'm a Christian first and foremost. You're not a 16-year-old student who happens to be a Christian. You're a Christian who happens to go to Central Harden High School. You're not an accountant who happens to follow Jesus. You're a Jesus follower who works as an accountant. You see, my faith follows me everywhere I go. It follows me everywhere I go. And so, as a result, if I go to the grocery, I'm a Christian at the grocery. If I go to the gym, I'm a Christian at the gym. If I go to the work, I'm a Christian at work. And so my faith, it affects every area, every arena, every avenue of my life. It is with me everywhere I go. Now understand, all of you, who have surrendered your life to Jesus as Lord, received salvation in him, all of you signed up for this. This is what you signed up for. And Jesus couldn't be more clear about it. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Jesus says, Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus isn't saying don't love your family. He's not saying that. He's saying, instead, he's saying this, love me more than you love anything else. Jesus demands to be number one in your life. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to put him at the top of your list. Number two is Erica, my wife. That kind of sounds weird, Erica, you're number two, but she's okay with it. She's okay with it. When, when we were married, we became one flesh. That's what the Bible says, one unit. She is a part of me, and I'm a part of her. She belongs to me, and I belong to her. You, you, those of you who are widows, you know this to be true. 
Because if I were to ever lose Erica, I would lose a huge part of myself. She's the second most important thing in my life. Number three on my list are my girls, my daughters. I love my daughters dearly. They're my pride and joy. I pray for them every day. Uh, this is what I pray. I pray that they'll grow up to love Jesus. That's my number one prayer. Number two, I swear I pray this every day. I pray that they're only attracted to godly men. I pray that. I don't know how God's going to do that hormonally or with their eyes or whatever, but I'm just praying everybody that's not a godly man, they look at it and they see Frankenstein. That's what I'm praying. I'm also currently praying that that doesn't happen until they're about 30. That's why I'm praying now when they're a teenager, we might change my tune on that, okay? Uh, but my girls are my number one ministry. They're my number one ministry. They're my number one job in this world is to protect and provide and raise my beautiful daughters. More important than any job, any work, any project, any sermon, anything else I do is being a dad to those girls. Number three on my list. Number four on my list is my job. It's my job. My job happens to be here at church, which is kind of confusing for some of you. That's why I get to ask this question often. What's your real job? Like, what do you, what do you really do? This is it. Um, so it also happens to be my calling. You don't do this kind of work just because it sounds fun, okay? Um, it's my calling, and I'm very passionate about it. And I would say many of you in this room, that's how you feel about your profession, isn't it? You feel like I was kind of made to do this, and I'm very passionate about it. And because you're so passionate about it, you're going to do it to the best of your ability. And many times you pour yourself out working in your profession. It's part of who you are. And the reason that we're, you know, because we're so passionate about it, we really got to be careful that our job doesn't climb up our rankings to a place that it shouldn't be. And that's why we've got to learn, okay, well, what's most important? And then two, and then three, and then four, and then so on, because there's all sorts of things under this. And how do I keep my job, or whatever else falls behind this, how do I keep it from climbing up over Jesus? Because it could easily do that. So this is what I would encourage you to do. You've you got to figure out what's important, and you've got to learn how to let it go. You've got to rank your priorities, and then you want to regulate your energy. You want to regulate your energy. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is so powerful. I don't want you to miss this. A lot of us, we believe, well, where my heart is, my treasure will go. Where my heart is, my treasure will go. Is that what Jesus says here? No, this is what he's saying. He's saying your heart is going to follow where your treasure's at. Your heart is going to follow where your treasure's at. Let me illustrate it. Just because you rank a thing number one doesn't mean your energies are going to be regulated to it. It's only when your, your energies are regulated to it that the ranking climbs. So you could say with your mouth, well, Jesus is the number one thing in my life. But if all your treasures are dedicated to something else, that thing is going to climb up over Jesus in your rankings. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's why we have to regulate our energy to match up with our rankings. And if we don't regulate our energy, then what's going to happen is that energy is going to go to a place that's less important. If I don't intentionally do things to keep Jesus number one, then he won't be number one in my life. So let me illustrate that for you in, in my personal life. This is how I keep Jesus number one, and this is very practical, and I would encourage all of you to do this. This is one thing I do. I always try to give God the first part of me. I try to give God the first part of me. So this is how I do it, real practical. 
Number one, I give God the first part of every week. Give God the first part of every week. Uh, the Bible says, God says, be still and know that I am God. You've heard that verse before? To me, the most powerful place, the most effective place to do that is in a church. That's the most powerful place to do it. Uh, the Bible says that we shouldn't forsake the fellowship of believers, that we shouldn't neglect it. Uh, God says to set my day, my day of rest, apart from all the other days. So for me, one of the tangible ways that I keep God first is I give him the first part of every week. This gathering of believers is really important to me. The other thing I do is really practical is I give God the first part of every day. So what that looks like, I wake up first thing in the morning, one of the first things I do is I open up the Bible and I let God speak to me through his word and then I'll, I'll just spend some time in prayer, me and God. And this is what I'm saying in that moment. I'm saying, Jesus, the most important thing I do all day is spend time with you. So I want to make sure if I don't get anything else accomplished during this day, I have spent time with you. I've done the most important thing I can do. Here's another way that I try and keep God first. This is me regulating my energy. Is I give God the first part of my income. Give God the first part of my income. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. The purpose of tithing is to buy the preacher a jet engine plane. That's the purpose of tithing. No, it's not that. Purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. So that's something we do. Now, if I'm going to keep God first and I'm going to do these things, then what it means is that I'm going to have to learn to let go of some other things because I can't have everything. I can't go off in many directions because that's what a fool does. So for us, practically, that means that we've got to set some boundaries in place. We've got to let go of some things. Here are some things I've got to let go of. As a family, Eric and I, we've talked about it. And we've already decided. One of the things that we got to let go of is Sunday activities. Sunday activities. So that means I'm going to miss some golf time, right? And I hear Sunday morning's a great time to play golf. The only time I've ever prayed on a golf course is, Lord, please don't let that ball hit somebody. Please. That's the only time. So that means I've I, I got to limit my Sunday activities. That means as a family, as a family, most Sundays we're going to be here. And we're not going to be at the lake. Most Sundays. Now, there's going to be some Sundays we will. There will be. But most Sundays we're going to be here because this is a priority. That means in a few years when my, my girls get older, uh, I'm going to have to have an awkward conversation with a coach. And I'm going to have to say, Coach, I know this, this is really important to you, but, but my girls don't play on Sunday. We just don't. We don't practice on Sunday because Sunday's the Lord's Day. We've set that apart. We've given that. We've dedicated that day to the Lord. And, and maybe you're thinking, well, that's just hurting your girls. That's all that's doing. And, and they're just going to sit at the end of the bench. And, you know, that might be the case. It may be. But I tell you, I, I would rather my girls sit at the end of the bench and love Jesus than to be an all-star on the front page of the paper and be unsure about what their priorities should be. That's just, that's just us. So you've got you to gotta be willing to sacrifice some things. Look at this verse here um, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. You know, sometimes we think about what God has for us, and, and we, we imagine it to be some kind of chore. It's not a chore. It's a treasure. It's a beautiful thing. It's not a burden. It's a blessing. So a man found a, a treasure hidden in a field, and when he found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, not begrudgingly, not out of like frustration, not like, okay, God, sure, goodness gracious, then in his joy, he went and pawned all of his stuff. 
went and sold it all. Just paid off the house, okay, we're going to sell it. Just, just bought a car, I'll take a loss on it. I'm going to get rid of it. I've got some, you know, some things, some jewelry. It's kind of, you know, sentimental, but I'm going to sell that too. He went and sold all he had and bought the field. If we're going to put Jesus first, if we're really going to put him first, we've got to view our relationship with him as a treasure, most valuable thing in my life. And we've got to be willing to say, if I have to give up everything in order to follow him, I'm willing to do it. Now, you hear these things and you say, well, that sounds like a whole lot of work and not much fun. That's what it sounds like. Because, you know, it's not going to get you a promotion living this way. It's not going to get you a scholarship. It's sometimes, you know, it's going to stand in the way of you getting a new car or going on a vacation or whatever it is. But I can promise you this, and I know it from experience. When you put God first, he will bless the rest. When you put God first, he will bless the rest. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus says, you put God first and he will bless the rest. When I give God the first part of my week and the first part of my day and the first part of my check, this is what happens. God has a way of putting everything else in its proper place, and I have peace. See, when you put God first, you will stress less, and here's why. Stress happens when your rankings get out of order, when your energy isn't regulated properly. When those things get out of whack, you start holding on to temporary things as if they're eternal. I got to get that promotion. I got to keep that job. I got to I got to get that grade. I got to get that guy or that gal to like me. I got to keep all this stuff together. I got to get that car. I got to get that house. And, and you start holding on to all of these things that are just temporary things as if they're eternal. And Jesus says, don't store up treasures on earth, not more and more and more and more and more stuff here, because that's a bad investment. You're pouring all your energies out on things that are eventually going to be taken from you. You can't hold on to these things forever. Many of you, you work in your job, and it's, that's like your life. That's what you live for. But let me tell you something. One day you're going to retire. You know what's going to happen to your company when you retire? It's going to go down in flames. They're going to miss you so much. Is that what's going to happen? No. That company's just going to keep on rolling. And then a year or in two years, you'll go back, and you won't even recognize anybody. And nobody will know your name. That's life. You know, and at the end of all this life, after you've accumulated all these things, you know what's going to happen to you? Your body's going to give way. That's it. You're going to die. They're going to put you in a coffin. They're going to put you in a hearse. And then there's going to be a procession of cars following that hearse. There might be a sedan or a station wagon or a minivan or a big pickup truck. I've seen tractors in a, in a procession before. You know what you won't see? A moving van. Because you can't take any of it with you. Some of you, that's what you're, you can't. It's all temporary stuff. So this is what Jesus is saying. It's not a bad thing to pursue these things, but don't hold on to them so tightly that it stresses you out. Jesus says, don't stress over this temporary stuff. Don't hold it like this. Don't hold it with like this, this fist clenched hands, like I got to keep this thing together forever. That's not going to happen. Hold it like this. Open hand. Saying, God, okay, I'm going to hold on to this. It's a gift from you. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But I'm going to hold on to it like this because if you want it, you can have it. Anytime you want to take it, it's yours. Jesus says this, Matthew 6, 20. 
Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In heaven. In heaven. Well, how do I do that? Well, Jesus said you love God with all your heart and you love your neighbor as yourself. You know, those are the only two things that last forever. Those are the things that we, would fo- we should focus the most energy and effort and passion on. When you do those things, when you put God first in that way, he will bless all the rest, and you're not going to stress nearly as much. This is a good investment because God's going to give you a reward, and this is a reward the tax man can't come and take from you. You can't do that. Nobody's going to break into your house and steal this reward. You're not going to overspend on your credit card and have to pawn this. No, this is a reward that you get to keep forever. And let me tell you something. If you had to go and sell all that you owned in order to grab hold of this reward, you would still be getting a bargain, a huge bargain. And you say, well, Jeff, this is a whole lot to ask of a person. How can I be confident enough to put Jesus first in my life? My last verse, and I'm done. Matthew 6, 26. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow. But our Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Listen to me. This is why you can trust putting God first. He loves you. He values you so much that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross. And this is all he's asking you, of you. Just love me back. Value me back. I put you first. I'm just asking you to put me first in your life. If you've never done that, we're going to sing a song of invitation. And as we do... The first step on the path to peace is really simple. It's not a complicated step. Everybody's going to stand up in just a second. And you're going to be able to walk out from your aisle into the pew. That's the reason we stand. And you'll walk down the aisle, and you're going to come and meet me right here. And we're going to pray a prayer. And this is what the prayer is going to sound like. Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner that needs to be saved. I can't save myself. Only you can do it. And I surrender my life to you. I'm going to put you first. And I promise you, I promise you, you come down here and you pray that prayer. And you're going to feel the weight of all your shame and all your guilt and all that eternal stress that you feel in your heart. You're going to feel that lifted off of you in just one moment. And then you'll realize what a treasure. What a treasure Jesus is. This is worth anything that I would have to give up to get it take that first step today if the Lord's calling you to do it pray with me father as we come to this time of decision and commitment and prayer there are people in this room Lord and they're running around in all sorts of directions and the Bible says that's foolish help them to aim their actions towards you Because a life invested in you is the only wise investment. Help us to be sure of that in this moment. Lord, help us to throw off everything that hinders us. All that sin that entangles us, Lord. And help us to walk in your ways with perseverance. Help us to do that. Empower us, Lord. There are people in this room and their lives are all out of whack. Help them to refocus on you. And Lord, there are people in this room that have never made the decision They've never surrendered their life to you. And they're nervous and they're scared and their heart's beating right now. But Lord, I pray in this moment, I pray in this moment, you'll remind them of your promise. Come to me, all who are weak 
and weary and carry a heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Empower them, Lord, in this moment to believe that promise and to come to you. Help them to come to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.